So we come to the crunch. How do we make learning enjoyable in itself as a contribution to living the present and enabling us to see the extraction of the full meaning of the present experiences that life affords us as worthwhile ends in themselves rather than mortgaging them to some hypothetical future. The first thing to say is that the instrumental use of learning, the utilitarian use of, of learning, that sees learning and the enjoyment that learning facilitates as fundamentally separate, to put it in a simple picture, that we work in order to earn the money in order to enjoy ourselves, rather than that we work at things that are in themselves enjoyable, this disjunction is part of the very serious problem that education has created for itself. It's probably fair to acknowledge that the past has been very much less rich in resources than we are now, and so it is perhaps much easier in the present to think of ways that one could make learning enjoyable than it would have been when the only resources available were really a poor and very expensive stock of printed books and paper and pencil. We now have the internet, and that's a facility that has arisen in my lifetime when I was an undergraduate mathematician in the early 1970s, the, un the internet simply didn't exist. And it was only 10 or 15 years later that the very first search engines started to appear. And it wasn't until almost the end of the millennium that we had something like Google or its equivalents that we could use to search for virtually everything. And, of course, the advent of those search engines has precipitated the invention of and the provision of more resources like Wikipedia, like JSTOR, like Archiv, and all the stuff on which you can find nowadays pretty much anything you want to know about anything. So there are facilities now that can diversify the processes that are involved in learning. It isn't a matter of pen and pencil or paper and pencil. It is a matter of finding the resources, finding the way that you benefit most, you learn most easily and applying it to whatever interests you. But education hasn't caught up with this. We still believe that teachers direct learning. We still have a model of learning in which you put rows of desks in a room, you put a teacher at the front, and the children essentially absorb what the teacher tells them to absorb. The idea that you diversify, that you give the children responsibility for their own learning as early as is practicable, still hasn't in many parts of the world, and indeed in many schools, really come home to roost. One of the ways in which this can be done, and is done very effectively, is in the International Baccalaureate's Middle Years Programme, 
where by using thematic educational strategies, one can integrate all aspects of the curriculum into one unifying project so that, to take the classic example of something like migration, you study migration and in studying migration, you study geography, you study history, you study culture, you study language, you do some mathematics, you do some science, you do some um, art and you are familiarized with all sorts of other religious philosophical practices. And most important of all, the children can very largely direct their own learning under the guidance of a learned, mentoring, tutoring teacher. So the notion of a teacher standing at the front and pontificating in a way that the children simply write down dutifully evaporates under such a system. And the children can adapt their own learning, if encouraged, to whatever methods they find most enjoyable. So, to give a different example, when I think back to my undergraduate days, I didn't find lectures or textbooks particularly conducive to learning. I learnt later on, I acquired later on a habit that meant that I wrote notes not that were simple copies of whatever the lecturer was saying, but were my reflections on what the lecturer was saying. And those notes therefore became integrated into the learning process and more a reflection of my response to it than a record of something that needed to be learnt later on. And this practice of writing notes in order to learn them later on is, of course, another example of a disjunction in education, that we see ourselves as pre preparing in the present for some future event rather than using the experience of the present as the learning process itself. However, that isn't going to be enough, is it? I'm sure you're saying. How do we extract the full meaning of present experience in a way that is self-reinforcing, self-motivating, self-rewarding. A very considerable component consists of making the transition from quantity to quality. Not believing that what matters is, for example, speed reading, but that what matters is slow thoughtful, reflective, embedded reading in which a few words from a few pages have the capacity to transform our understanding permanently and that we are not, as you might say, harvesting material, putting it into a barn and reminding ourselves that we need to go back and absorb it later. That's the only way most of us can really read a 500-page book, but most of us would do far better to read five pages well than 500 pages superficially. Yet, quantity is very much thought to, to trump quality in most educational institutions. And how much you've got 
is generally thought to be better than how well or the quality of what you've got might be. Yet, as I reflect on my life, I can see that there were certain passages, certain pages even, of books that I got into and really allowed to speak to me and really allowed myself to be engaged by. And in that process, something transformative happened. And this is, lest we forget, essentially an experimental process. We dip into books, we dip into different sections of books, we read a page here, a page there, we try different resources, we look at pictures, we try the internet, we try music, we try words, we try the radio and television and all sorts of online resources like YouTube and so forth. And some of them will resonate, some of them will immediately engage us and some of them just won't. And the ones that don't are perhaps simply not right for us. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them intrinsically, it's just that there isn't a fit between them and us. But experiment is much more than that, although that kind of experiment of tapping around in the supermarket of ideas to find not only the things that you like, but the packaging that you like, even the shelves that you can reach if you want to pursue the metaphor, that kind of process is also part of the process of success and failure, trial and error, of having a go at something, seeing if it works, and if it does, having more of it, and if it doesn't, having less of it. That feedback process, that problem-solving process, that process of setting a question and addressing it in a way that might produce an answer today or might not produce an answer for a very long time, that experimental process of asking questions and testing answers is part of what makes life worth living. And it doesn't have to be something highly intellectual or very difficult. It is simply a process of success reflected in doing, reflected in the ability to crack a problem, just like the small child who will spend hours piling up bricks until it gets six on top of one another, or the older child who will spend hours trying to make something out of some modelling kit or Lego or whatever it might be or the older child who gets fascinated by a particular topic, a particular celebrity, a particular history, a particular cause. And having got fascinated by it, that becomes the motivator for the exploration of the sphere of resources available, most of which when we start we won't even know are there. And that motivation and the exploration that that motivation uh, facilitates becomes a self-reinforcing, pleasurable, enjoyable way of extracting the full meaning from present experience. And nobody, it goes back to the remarks I made a couple of episodes ago about these voice notes, who finds themselves engaged in a process that is self 
reinforcing and self-rewarding, asks the question, why are you doing that? I am doing it because it is enjoyable in itself. It is an end in itself. And I don't necessarily need to be able to anticipate where it will lead or what I will be able to do with it or even whether I will make any money or gain any reputation or fame or whatever it might be out of it because just doing it is what is rewarding. And those educational institutions and those children and those adults who have never had this experience have been seriously failed by the education system. I think every young child has this experience, but because as we grow older, we become less inclined to experiment, less inclined to play, and more inclined to take things more and more seriously, that is a self-defeating strategy. It's the one that education encourages and it's the one that we need to change.